Please join us for episode 9 of Bewitched. Witch or Wife? Bewitched, bothered and bewildered, am I? Welcome to Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, our podcast about magical sitcoms from the 1960s. I'm Molly. And I'm Frank. And you're joining us for the ninth episode of Bewitched. Witch or wife? But before we get started, we're going to give you a brief synopsis. Darren's workload piles sky-high when Larry Tate and his wife Louise fly to Paris to cover a fashion show for a client. A lonely and neglected Samantha is invited by her mother Endora to have lunch. When Endora makes it clear that she intends to lunch on the left bank, Samantha initially resists but is ultimately won over. When the Tates accidentally stumble into Sam and her mother in Paris, their excuses and lies about their magical visit finally reach Darren's attention. I changed lunch into lunch. That's completely your prerogative. It's whatever sounds best to you. I don't think you can intend to luncheon. I think you intend to lunch, don't you? I don't know. I think that luncheon can be used as a verb, but I may be mistaken. I don't know either. You can't always trust my Midwestern sensibilities, but that's what sounded right to me. (laughs) Maybe our listeners know whether luncheon can be used as a verb or not. Please add a comment. Yes. Shall we go ahead and get started? Can I first say how happy I am to be back to Bewitched? (laughs) Not only are we back to Bewitched, but we've got a particularly good stretch of episodes ahead of us. I like this one. I mean, this is classic. This is the Bewitched that I know and love. Agreed. Agreed. It involves Paris. Check. It involves fashion. Check. It involves, yeah, all kinds of good magical stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Hi, Darren. Hi, Larry. The episode begins with Darren hard at work in his office at McMahon and Tate when Larry walks in. Larry has come to humblebrag, that is to say, complaining while boasting at the same time. And what is Larry complaining about, Molly? That he's very disappointed that he needs to take a trip to London and Paris. Be in London tomorrow morning, Paris tomorrow night. I'm afraid it's one of the disadvantages of having a top designer for a client. I'd like to get out of it, but uh, I figure it's good business to at least go over and look at his spring collection. And they have that yellow, wobbly glass wall behind Larry when he walks in. That is a unique architectural feature. Right next to the front door to Darren's office is a large glass partition of beveled or frosted tinted yellow glass that faces the hallway. Yeah, I I kind of like it. It's emblematic of the office decor. Darren's mid-century office is a riot of browns and yellows. Yeah. An avalanche of chocolate and mustard. Mm Mm-hmm. A cornucopia of wood tones and goldenrod. Yep. 
But I also really love that wobbly glass wall. Definitely. It made me think of a, I want to get something like that to cover a skylight in my house that's filthy. (laughs) I can't keep it clean. So I want some obscured glass just like that, but not yellow. Yeah, it's tough having to go to dull places like London and Paris. Look, this is no pleasure trip, especially this year. My wife insists on coming with me. (laughs) Look, if you're that much against the trip, why don't you send me instead? Darren, you're my best friend. I wouldn't send my worst enemy on a trip with Louise. Can I just say that Larry is a bastard in this? (laughs) Larry is worse in this episode than any episode that we couldn't forgive Darren especially in his treatment of Louise. Yeah, he's quite kind to Samantha and Endora and everyone else, but he treats his wife just abominably. Eh, And despite his insistence that Darren is his best friend, he doesn't treat him very well either. Yes, a bit, although Darren is his... uh, Employee, his underling. His lackey. His homunculus. Friendship or not, he threatens to fire Darren at the slightest provocation. I suppose you could argue that... That's his prerogative as Darren's boss, but his treatment of Louise is over the top and completely unwarranted. He wouldn't wish a trip with Louise on anyone. (laughs) Have you ever seen Louise be disagreeable at all? Not once. It'd be different if he had to go with Gladys Kravitz or something, but (laughs) Louise just seems very pleasant. Absolutely. Yeah. She is very sweet, accommodating, Mm -hmm. and genuine. Everything that Larry is not. So I know you won't mind. I had a feeling you were leading up to something. I do have a few loose ends that need uh, looking after, and I wondered if you could take care of them while I'm gone. If you're going to be slaving away in Paris, it's the least I could do. (laughs) Now, Susan. The next thing that happens that I really like is that a secretary comes in with a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) Larry, the bastard, has had a secretary waiting outside of Darren's office with her arms full of manuscripts, manila folders, accordion folders, unopened mail, a mountain of materials that need to be addressed during Larry's jet-setting absence. Well, au revoir, and uh, I think. <laughs> Anyway, she brings in all that stuff, plops it on the desk. Darren looks beleaguered Mm -hmm. in the way that Darren looks four or five times an episode. (laughs) He's got the beleaguered look down. Larry, as he is departing, drops a little French and says au revoir, which is correct. That is a popular way of saying farewell in French. Oh, yeah. But then he says tour jeté. Tour jeté. I know what that is. I know what that is. What is it, Molly? It's a ballet move. A tour jeté is a twisting jump. That is absolutely correct. It is a high-turning leap. I took a few ballet lessons in my time. That is totally awesome. I think that the lesson here, though, is that Larry is dropping French without having any idea what he's saying. Of course. He could have just as well have said coup d'etat. Yeah. <laughs> Or a bon appetit. Yeah, <laughs> a bon appetit. After the opening credits, we find Samantha in her bedroom. She is wearing a pink terry cloth robe and has her hair wrapped up in a towel. 
in a turban, and she is laying out the very pretty emerald green party dress that she wore in the episode, It Shouldn't Happen to a Dog. That's right. That's exactly the dress. Good recognition. Woohoo! And she gets a call from Darren, letting her know that their evening plans have changed. Hello? Honey, I'm afraid I won't be able to take you to dinner tonight. Larry just dumped a load of urgent work on my desk. Oh, well, that's all right, darling. Maybe tomorrow? Uh, Better not make any plans, Sam. I'm afraid you're going to have to amuse yourself for the next few days. Bye, darling. After he tells her that he's working, she goes to the living room in front of the television with a TV tray. I love this scene. Yes. So Samantha swallows her disappointment. She changes into a (laughs) sad old pink house coat. Yes. This quilted number that makes her look like a depressed mattress pad. And she sets up for a lonely night in front of the TV with a hungry man fried chicken TV dinner. Can I mention a furniture thing again? You can cut these out if you want to, but I was fascinated by this. So the back of the chair that she's sitting in shows in about, you know, a quarter of the frame down below. And the pattern of the material for the back of that chair is just exactly what you would find in any high fashion century house type Danish furniture. So it's completely different than what they were blinking in and out in the first few episodes. Yes, that was some pretty mundane furniture that Sam and Endora magically decorated the home with. But now they're slowly bringing it up to date with mid-century modern chic. Yeah, this is a total upgrade, the back of that chair. Moving on up. I can't see the whole chair, but the, the sofa... And another chair in the room also are quite a bit upgraded. They still have that horrible basket weave dining table set. The dining room hasn't changed. Molly, I have to admit that since I started watching this TV show with you, I have paid much more attention to people's clothes, to home furnishings, and to women's shoes. (laughs) Things that I absolutely (laughs) never, ever looked at before with such an eagle eye but I feel like I'm getting much more vigilant. Good. So important. No, that's I'm just a visual person. <laughs> anyway, lots of upgrades. The set designers are improving their game, stepping it up a notch. So Samantha is seated with her pathetic TV dinner on a rickety TV tray, and she begins turning on the television set magically with the nose twitch and cycling through various crummy TV shows with additional nose twitches. Yeah, she doesn't bother with that. It's so funny because it seems so magical then. (laughs) But this is exactly what we all sit around and do with our clickers. Exactly. And it's probably worth noting that there actually were TV remote controls in existence at this time. But they were these big, clunky affairs that had to be wired, connected by wire, to the actual television set. They were uncommon and very, very low-tech. Next, we see Samantha fall asleep by herself. And Darren tiptoes into the bedroom, briefcase in hand. Yep, and then she, in the morning, wakes up and finds a note on her pillow. Right. Attached with a baby pen. Yes. It says, good morning, darling. I love you. See you tonight. 
Maybe. Hugs and kisses, Darren. Yes. Sam seems really upset by his absence. Yeah, you know, and that is one thing that's kind of hard for me to relate to because I'm just as happy when he's not around. (laughs) She gets to do such fun things with mother. Her missing him is so, it's sweet and earnest the way she Mm -hmm. plays it, but you know, you got to think, really? (laughs) Let him go to the office. Go have lunch in Paris. Be fine. (laughs) Next, we see Samantha in the living room playing a lonely game of solitaire. Yes. When a magical disembodied voice prompts her on her next card placement. Red queen on the black key. And hooray, it's Endora. Yay. After being absent for three episodes, Agnes Moorhead is back. I missed her. I missed her too. The episodes without her were simply not as much fun. Definitely. It's much more fun when she's there. And Samantha is delighted to see her. She's so lonely. Mother. Oh, glad to see you. What's wrong? Can I be glad to see my own mother without something being wrong? Oh, really? Bored, eh? I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. Predictably, Endora assumes that Samantha's marriage is falling apart. <laughs> She always jumps to the worst-case scenario. Of course she does. Yep, she always assumes that Darren is off philandering or has left her or whatever. Gone out for a pack of cigarettes and is never coming back. I think it's just what she hopes for. It's not that. Darren's been working very hard lately. I've been sort of lonely, that's all. I've hardly seen him the last few days. The situation is obvious, Samantha. Busy husband. Neglected wife vegetating in front of the telly set. (laughs) Finito. That's what I like about your visits, Mother. You always bring a ray of sunshine into my drab existence. That's what mothers are for, dear. You just say the word and I'll take you away from all of this. Good idea. Really? But only for lunch. (laughs) Well, at least that's a start. Well, where would you like to go? I love how absolutely withering Endora is at Samantha's suggestion at lunch at the Cozy Have-A-Snack. Yeah, that's hilarious. Okay, so before we get to the Cozy Have-A-Snack, let me just say two things about the... You have to notice the couch, (laughs) which is a couch very similar to what I could get in a Danish modern furniture store. And then behind her, when she runs over to hug her mother, there is a chair in the corner that is all the rage right now. Hmm. It's a famous designer chair, and I wish I could think of the name of the designer. Okay. But it's just sitting casually in the corner of their house. Not quite like an egg chair, but it's kind of similarly unusual and unique with these weird arm things that kind of flip up from the back. We can go to the Cozy Have-A-Snack. It's nothing fancy, but it's not far from here. The Cozy Have-A-Snack? Oh, darling, you've got to be kidding. We can go to a restaurant in town if you like. I have a better idea. I know of a marvelous little bistro that serves the most divine cheese souffle. Sounds wonderful. Where is it? On the left bank. (laughs) Left bank of what? Of Paris. What did you think? The left bank of Flushing? (laughs) And Dora suggests a lovely cheese souffle. Mm Mm-hmm. On the West Bank. At a bistro on the left bank. La Rive Gauche. Oh, I said West. I should have said left. (laughs) On the left bank. Yes. 
Yeah. What was the name of the bistro? I interrupted you. Oh, I wasn't saying the name of the bistro. I was saying La Rive Gauche. That is the left bank in French. Oh, yes. Okay. It is the southern bank of the Seine River, which bisects the city of Paris in half. It's the colorful, bohemian, intellectual center of Paris. Paris. We can't go there. Why not? Mother, you know very well Darren doesn't like me to do those things. Oh, well, it's a pity. It takes a little while for Endora to convince Samantha, but not that long. Paris is so lovely this time of year. Remember? Yes, I remember. Oh, the trees are budding in the Champs-Élysées. The sidewalk cafes are crowded with people. And the children are playing in the Bois de Boulogne. No, Mother. You'll be back before he gets home for dinner. He's not coming home for dinner. Oh, well, then, really, Samantha, you are being ridiculous. I'm trying to be a good wife. Well, are good wives allowed to have lunch with their mothers? Of course they are. Well, then, what difference does it make where they have it? It's (laughs) not that at all. Well, I suppose you mean now that you're married. What was once between us is no more. (laughs) Samantha is clearly tempted from the very start and after Endora uses every trick in the book including a pretty heavy guilt trip she agrees all right mother we will go wonderful but we can't be too long is that understood understood last one to the boulevard Saint Germain is a rotten egg (laughs) That's my gal. I was struck in this scene by how much my relationship with Allison... Your daughter? ...kind of mirrors this relationship with Endora. Ah. (laughs) And Samantha. So I am not a witch, although some people might argue that point. (laughs) But I am the mother-in-law who comes in and takes Allison out for fancy lunches, away from the drudgery of her housewife-dom. Nice. <laughs> the only difference is that I love Joe. <laughs> Your son-in-law. I'm not at all annoyed by, annoyed by Joe in the way I'm annoyed by Darren. Okay. <laughs> Joe has his foibles, but I love him. <laughs> As we all do. He's great. But it is funny, the mother-daughter relationship, because just yesterday, this is exactly what I did. I went over to her house. I held the babies, cooed over them, then we all went shopping, and then I took her out for a manicure. Nice. That's fantastic. And that's what I do. I take her out to do those things that she doesn't get to do just in the day-to-day mommy period of her life that she's in. Maybe I learned that from Bewitched, how to be an exciting grandma. (laughs) Like a fairy godmother. A fairy godmother grandma, (laughs) bringing in the temptations of the world. I would definitely take her out for cheese souffle. We catch up with Sam and Endora finishing up their lunch at the bistro, and they both order coffee beautifully in French. Yes, they both speak French like real ladies. And they reminisce over previous adventures in Europe that they shared. It sounds like Endora enjoyed flirting with mortal aristocrats. Yeah, she was quite the seductress 
Endora. She talks a lot about her exploits. She is a cosmopolitan jet setter. Yes, very much a jet setter. Yes. It just sounds like they would travel around courting royalty and playboys and fancy people. Uh, We have had good times, haven't we? Yes, we have. Don't you sometimes miss all this, Samantha? Not really. I have other things that make up for it, like a snappy game of solitaire. Topped off by a gourmet lunch at the cozy have-a-snack. Now, let's not go into that again. By all means, let's not. Come on. On to the fashion show. No fashion shows. I left a whole pile of laundry on the ironing board. Oh, now, Samantha, no woman, witch nor mortal, ever visits Paris or leaves without buying a dress. It would be a betrayal of a whole sex. (laughs) Let's go. Molly, do you want to take a quick moment to describe Sam and Endora's outfits while they're visiting Paris? Well, first of all, I love when Endora dresses in things. I like her crazy green and purple negligee, whatever that is that she usually wears. But when she dresses up to go out like in Paris with a giant hat, her giant hat is totally beautiful and ridiculous. <laughs> sort of tilted to the side. It's a little avant-garde. You can't really tell what the draping of uh, material over the top of it is supposed to represent. She's wearing a suit jacket and a beautiful giant brooch at her neck. The shirt and hat perfectly match her garish eyeshadow. She looks divine. And then <laughs> Samantha's wearing like a pink sweater and she also is wearing a hat, a pink hat. And Dora very much looks like the grand dame, and Samantha looks like her young, the young adult daughter. Her youthful charge. Youthful charge, yes. And Dora leads Samantha to the same salon that Larry Tate and his wife Louise are watching a fashion show. Larry is taking some snide pot shots at Louise. Larry, can you imagine how sensational I'd look in that dress? Well, the packaging can only do so much for a product, dear. Oh, you're always thinking of business. <laughs> it's like, no, he just was just a total jackass to you. What a jerk. Oh. It's bad enough that he's making mean remarks about Louise behind her back, but he also is insulting her to her face. Ugh. And I'm a little disappointed in the writers that she just so passively accepts it. Why can't Louise have a little bit of spunk? Right. I just hope that she's tuning him out. Mother, isn't that beautiful? Oh, yes, you'd look marvelous in a dress like that, Samantha. Molly, would you like to talk a little bit about the dresses being modeled? I'm noticing that the hemlines are awfully low, looking pretty old-fashioned. It's kind of classic, though, to have that shell and then a, a matching jacket over the top, and the jacket is lined with fringe. They're obviously trying to show that this is just the pinnacle of fashion that they're showing here, that it's, you know, not run-of-the-mill stuff you might find anywhere. And that fringe on the jacket, I think, is what's supposed to give it the kapow, you know, like the... Oh, if I ever walked in a dress like that, Darren's eyeballs would fall right out of his head. I doubt if he'd know a Dior from a cunny sack. That's not very nice. Come on, let's find a seat. The second French model is wearing a baby blue evening gown, that looks exactly like the one that Barbara Eden wore in the last episode that we reviewed of I Dream of Jeannie. Oh. That was the husband's edition of Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, the Americanization of Jeannie, where she charged that dress to Tony Nelson's credit card. Well, according to Endora, this is Dior. Well, I believe it. Yep. 
I kind of wish that we'd see Samantha change into this gown so we could see who wore it better, Elizabeth Montgomery or Barbara oh, Eden. Oh, yeah. I can tell you right now what I would have thought. <laughs> well, you are completely biased. Yeah, I am totally biased. Well, also the people in the back, they're both wearing long gloves. I love the long gloves thing. And Samantha, when she comes in, is wearing gloves as well. There is a lot more to say about gloves later on in this episode. Yeah. Before we leave this scene, Endora makes a snide remark about Darren not being able to distinguish a Dior from a gunny sack. <laughs> When I was in high school, one of the best designers in my suburban Midwestern mind was a brand called Gunny Sacks. Oh, really? Which is a brand of very countryish feminine dresses. I think one of the dresses that I wore to a school dance was a Gunny Sacks dress, obviously making fun of this very sentiment. So interesting, because I only knew of Gunny Sacks as large burlap bags, uh, for flour or sandbags or for potato sack races. Yeah, I should try to find a picture of myself in that gunny sacks dress. So cool. Let's post it on the website. <laughs> well, don't promise anything. I'm not sure I can find it, but it is a pretty specific kind of design, kind of a rustic country-ish design. So interesting. Yeah. Well, Samantha catches sight of both Larry and Louise across the salon and tries to flee and hide behind the brim of her hat, but she gets spotted. What? Let's get out of here. Why? Never mind, I'll explain later. Come on. Samantha? Samantha? Hi. It is you. I thought it was you, but I couldn't be sure. Oh, what a surprise. Wait till Louise sees you. Come on over. (laughs) I love Endora in this scene. Upon learning that Larry is Darren's employer, she says, how amusing. (laughs) (laughs) She's so dry and droll. I just love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she's so funny. She's so dismissive. So then they invite them out to dinner, and they want them to make a night of it. Yes. Larry and Louise are staying at an historic hotel, the Plaza Atene. It's near the Eiffel Tower and the Champs-Élysées. It's very, very swanky. Interesting. And they set an appropriately continental hour to dine of 8.30 p.m. Yeah. Very continental. Not like your Minnesota farmer's suppers that you eat at 6 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. I eat so early now. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting earlier and earlier. We can get in anywhere because we're willing to go at like 5 or (laughs) 6. So unfashionable. Totally. (laughs) Usually by about 9.45, I'm starting to fall asleep. So I can't imagine having dinner reservations at 8.30. So late. And Endora says she'd love to go. (laughs) Because she just loves to watch things get very complicated for Samantha. Now, at dinner, it looks like Louise is wearing a dress very similar to that baby blue thing. Sparkly top, baby blue skirt. But hers is more of a white top with a blue skirt. But it looks very lovely. Over dinner, Louise admires Samantha for traveling without her husband, Darren. Yeah. Did you notice what Endora is doing during the opening of the dinner? No, what was she doing? She is ladling a large portion of the food on her plate onto Larry's plate. 
How odd. Yep, it is that quaint European tradition of sharing half-eaten food. What? Proves again that Endora is a true cosmopolite. Is that really true? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it seems very odd. I think they were probably just setting up for the scene and, and Endora said, you got to have some food on your plate. <laughs> yes. I love that the ladies are all dressed very formally. Oh, yes. Very formally. So Samantha is wearing the gorgeous, I love this dress. Mm-hmm. It's quite reminiscent of the fashion show that we just saw. I love Samantha's wrap. She's wearing a purple satin wrap that she is wearing very low at her elbows. She could use it as a cape, but instead she is wearing it low and it exposes her beautiful shoulders and it looks very elegant. Yes, elegant and requires a certain amount of effort on her part. It shows off her balance and poise. It's a voluminous garment and to eat an entire dinner wearing it in that fashion is honestly challenging. Yes, right. And we have Endora in the green satin jacket with gold gloves. I love her long gold opera gloves. Yes, they're beautiful. And she's wearing a large cocktail ring with a pearl outside the gloves. I absolutely adore that. That is so cool. (laughs) I've never heard of that before. I was wondering about that cocktail ring. It has to be large enough to go over her gloves comfortably. Yes, Yeah, that was common. And you can't buy a ring that you can wear both inside and outside the gloves because the gloves would add a size or two to the ring. Sure. So it had to be intended to be worn over the gloves. Ring sizes can be so finicky. I I know this just because I got married recently and I had to be sized and then resized several times for my wedding band. But Picking a ring to specifically go over your gloved fingers, that must also be a challenge. Yep, definitely of that time. Cool. Also, I feel like it must be a lost art, eating an entire meal with gloved fingers, negotiating utensils with slippery satin on your hands. It is so cool and fascinating. I want to try it. We should try it sometime. (laughs) (laughs) we can both wear white gloves and just try to eat a steak (laughs) not get any blood on the gloves (laughs) i wonder if we could find like an etiquette thing to talk about eating with gloves on (laughs) i think that i'd be tremendously disappointed in myself yeah i suspect that i am a filthy eater and that uh, the number of times that I surreptitiously use my fingers to push food onto my utensils or into my mouth, is uh, we could try this challenge. I am all for it. I think we should do a YouTube challenge where Molly and Frank eat a three-course meal wearing gloves the entire time. Yes. I would like to request that we have very long and sharp utensils. <laughs> <laughs> like Skeksis, yes. Yeah. I, I'm up for that. We could definitely try it. Wonderful. Yeah, it has to be a big bloody steak, too, or something with au jus all over it. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to be carnage. The most difficult. Or what about a popover? Like you could have a, York, a prime rib with Yorkshire pudding. Mm. Oh, God. I'm that getting really hungry. That would be so challenging to eat with gloves. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
I love it. I am totally looking forward to this. Samantha doesn't seem quite herself tonight, does she? Oh, for goodness sakes, Larry. She's still a bride, and this is her first separation. Isn't that right, Endora? I imagine she's very lonesome for Donald. <laughs> I imagine she's very lonesome for Donald. <laughs> of course, Louise and Larry are confused. I beg your pardon? You mean Darren. Yes, yes, of course. That's a great idea. Let's phone Darren and tell him what's happened. Marvelous! Isn't that a wonderful idea, Dora? No, I, I, I wouldn't do that. Why not? Oh, I don't know. Change of time, the eye, you know. I... Well, it's early back there. Garçon, I'll get a telephone right here on the table. It'll put Darren's mind at ease when he knows we're taking care of you two. Won't you be surprised? Oh, he'll be surprised, all right. <laughs> Samantha excuses herself to go to the powder room, but she is secretly using that opportunity to give Darren a phone call at the office. This is where we really get to see the dress. It's got quite an elaborate beaded belt, which is very lovely. Darren, I was wondering how late you're going to have to work tonight. Pretty late, I'm afraid, honey. Bear with me another day, huh? I should have the work cleaned up by then. Oh, I understand, dear. Thank you, darling. What have you been up to today? Me? Well, nothing much. I've been uh, looking at a few dresses. <laughs> you sound funny. Something wrong? Wrong? No, no, of course not. I just... I miss you, darling. Look the heck with work. I'm going to come on home. No, no, no. Now, don't do that. It's important that you finish your work. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Here you could criticize Samantha for keeping up the ruse. At some point, she could have just let Darren know that she let her mother talk her into going to France, and now she's stuck having dinner with Larry and Louise. But she doesn't do that. On a strictly moral grounds, I suppose we would have to give Samantha some crap here for not just coming clean. And she makes it worse, of course. We have a surprise for you, haven't we? Oh, yes, a beauty. Hello, Darren. Hey, boy. This is Larry Tate calling from Paris. I like the telephone that Larry's using, too. It looks like it's from the 1920s. It's got sort of the horn mouthpiece. Oh, Larry, how are you? Fine. Have I got a surprise for you. You'll never guess who's sitting next to me right here in Paris. Samantha. Oh, when, 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 Talk to your husband. I, I, I He's all yours. Go on, going? Samantha. Where Dan's on the other end. Oh, Sam, why, why? Samantha handles her panic very discreetly. Maybe that's one of the things I like about this show is that she doesn't overact in the way that Jeannie would have. With Jeannie, you might have been able to say... There, was, there could be a sound effect like boing, you know, behind any surprised look. And Samantha's just a little widening of the eyes. Darren? Oh, hi, darling. It's Samantha. Sam, how did you... When did... Oh, yes, I'm having a wonderful time. Sam, when? How... how... Oh. Well, I just can't wait to get home and tell you all about my trip. Trip? Trip to... Where are you right... I love you too, sweetheart. <laughs> Bye. And then Darren is hanging up at the office looking very perplexed. Yes. 
When we catch up with Darren in the next scene, he is at home in his living room, and he is throwing a pity party for one by smoking and getting drunk. Please let me explain. Well, there's no need to explain. I understand perfectly. I'm sorry about what happened today. No one can blame you for that. This is a poor swap for Europe, glamour, and gaiety. All I want is the normal life of the normal housewife. That's why you went to Paris. I only went there for lunch. Well, that's normal. I only did it because... Well, you've been working so much lately, and... It's my fault. Sam, there's no need for you to apologize. I should have known you can't take a beautiful witch in the prime of her life and expect her to hang up a twitch. It's against nature. Darren, what are you trying to say? I'm saying it's time for complete honesty. I'm not going to stand in the way of your freedom, and that's obviously what you want. That's not true. And stop trying to spare my feelings. If there's anything I can't stand, it's anyone feeling sorry for me. Especially when you're doing such a good job of it yourself. I like Samantha's attitude in this, which is that she doesn't fall for Darren's mopey pity party for one. I guess I find that kind of approach to an argument of, oh, poor me, kind of annoying. And so I appreciated that because usually she's so obsequious with him. And in this case, she really just gives him a sharp one to say, you know, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Where are you going? Back to La Dolce Vita. And I hope you're satisfied. Now she falls all to pieces eventually and goes and chases him around to try to make up. Correct. Darren and Samantha each separately approach Larry, who's returned to New York, and learn from Larry that each is miserable without the other. And so that sends Darren happily running off to Paris to join Samantha, who has unknowingly returned to New York wearing a beautiful canary yellow Chanel suit looking for Darren. When she learns from Larry that Darren has just jumped on the next plane going to Paris, she and Endora take to the winds and magically search every single jet peeking in through the passenger windows. Samantha's peeping in the windows and scaring the bejesus out of all the patrons in the airplanes until she finally finds Darren. It's like that Twilight Zone episode with William Shatner, Terror at 20,000 Feet. Oh, yeah. Where he's the only passenger that sees the gremlin on the wing that's ripping up the machinery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that one. Look, I didn't tell you before because I wasn't sure whether it was real or not, but I am sure now it is real. There's a man out there, or a, a gremlin, or whatever. <laughs> if I described him to you, you'd really think I was gone. No, darling, it's all right. It's all right. Ugh. Handsome young William Shatner. Terror at 20,000 Feet was aired only five years before this episode of Bewitched. You can't help but think that they were slightly inspired by this classic Twilight Zone tale. Yep. Well, we're in the last five minutes, so bring us home, Molly. Okay, so they're in the airplane. Hello, sweetheart. You scared me to death. Well, I'm sorry, but I just couldn't wait to see you. I'm sorry about the other night. Please try to understand how I feel. I do understand, and you don't have to explain anymore. 
I just want you to know how lucky I think I am. Thank you, darling. They think about just turning around and going home, but then they talk about how lovely it'll be for Samantha to see Paris for the first time. Anyway, it'll be fun seeing Paris for the first time. What do you mean? You've been there before. Never with you. And being in Paris with someone you love is like being in Paris for the first time. And so they decide to go straight to Paris. They kiss and cut away to Endora on top of the plane, drinking a martini or champagne or whatever, and saying it's the only way to fly. It's the only way to fly. I like seeing Endora on top of a plane. Yeah, she's riffing on an old defunct tagline for an old defunct airline. What is it? Pan Am or? Western Airlines. Ah, Western Airlines. The only way to fly. And they've made this joke on I Dream of Genie as well. This is a popular catchphrase that people enjoyed making fun of at the time because the TV ads were so ubiquitous. Well, anything more to say about this episode? The time has come for Can We Forgive Darren? Oh, yes. Can you forgive Darren, Molly? I can forgive Darren in this episode. He is a melodramatic, pathetic goober in this episode. But that's pretty forgivable. At least he's not being a chauvinist pig. Yeah, can we forgive Larry Tate? Absolutely not. Never. He's a shitty husband, a shitty boss, and just a terrible human. He's a total jackass. Oh, I think I hear the music. Must be time for us to go. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again next week for another episode of Bewitched. In the meantime, you can listen to other shows in the Piwacket Podcast Network. The Brothers Grimmer with Bert and Fran. Knuckle Sandwiches with Jason and Frank. Kindred Spirits with Stephen and Bert. Well, until next time. Until next time. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered is a production of the Piwacket Podcast Network. Our opening song is sung by Melissa Arning. A special thanks to Melissa for letting us use it. There's a few upgrades in furniture in this episode. Right. One of them is that there's a table across from Darren's desk. You know, like if you had a client come in to sit down, the chair that they would sit down in. Mm -hmm. And it is almost exactly like my dining room chairs. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Little braggy there. To be fair, I criticize the magic a lot on Jeannie, but the magic here is 
is pretty silly, too. So Darren is feeling sorry for himself, and he is gassing on about how, of course, Sam couldn't get a thrill from clipping coupons for canned wax beans. Molly, what the hell are wax beans? Oh, they're they're like green beans, but they're those white ones. Huh. They're sort of a pale yellowish white. All right. But I think they're considered poor folks' food. Really? Okay. A little less fancy than a... How do you say that? Harico Ver? Arico Ver. Arico Ver. A little less fancy than there's an Arico Ver, then there's a green bean, then there's a wax bean. All right. They're a little coarser. Yeah. Now I'm going to serve my family wax beans and see if they know. <laughs> see if they know that I'm insulting them. 